Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. I want to um, do a series on Build Your Church, and that's us talking to God. We are lifting his word that he himself spoke and we are speaking his word back to him. But today, I don't want to belabor the point. I just want to put down a few points for us as a foundation and then next week we'll really get into into it. Build your church. Somebody turn to their neighbor and say, build your church. Amen. So you are, it's a prayer. So you are not telling the person that that person should build their church. We are saying a prayer, it's a corporate prayer, and we are telling God that, God, you build your church. Amen. The very first time the word church shows up in the Bible is in the New Testament, is a purely New Testament term. It was not used in the Old Testament. And when it first shows up, Jesus is the one who utters the words. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, which is our key verse. So as is our custom, please let's stand. We'll read the verse together and then we'll sit and go on. Please let's stand. Yes, sorry. Amen. So let's go. And I say to you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. And so, Father, we pray that you will speak to us. And Lord God, even as we share this word, we are not speaking our own words. Lord God, let this be a prayer. Let this be a quickening of our hearts, oh God, to speak your word back into your ears and remind you of the words you have spoken. And Lord God, even as you speak to us and open our hearts, oh God, to your purposes and to what you meant when you spoke these words lord god help us to respond accordingly help us to align oh god and lord god let us indeed see you build your church in jesus name amen please be seated so matthew 16 18 says and i also say to you that you are peter and upon this rock jesus is speaking he says i jesus will build my church And the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail over it or will not overpower it. Amen. So what is this church? What is this thing that Jesus is calling my church? What is it? Now, the Bible that we have, which is the English Bible, we all know that it has been translated. Um from point to point. So when they were speaking their time in their culture, um, they weren't speaking English. And the world we have today is not the same as it was then. Most likely Jesus was either speaking Aramaic or he was speaking Greek, but it wasn't English. So the, 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 or the Bible has been translated um, over time And now we have the English version. And that is why it's very important that when you read the word, you don't just read it and and go. You have to take your time with the word so that you understand the word carefully. Amen. 
now um, we're telling God and bringing these words that he spoke, we are bringing it back to him. And so it's important that we understand what it is that he is doing. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church. Now the church, when you look back into the original text, the word is ecclesia, which is the called out. So it comes from two Greek words, ek and kaleo. Ek is out and kaleo is to call. And so it's like maybe you are somewhere and then someone comes and says, brah, and the person takes you out of where you are. That is what it looks like, the called out ones. The interesting thing about Jesus using this word is that it wasn't a word he came up with. In their time, it was a word that was in the system. It wasn't religious. Nobody was calling, going to the temple or the synagogue, ecclesia. Nobody was calling it that. It was more of, you know, if you are called to a meeting or there is a gathering, that was what it was used for. So it was a regular word. And Jesus picks up this regular word and then he uses it for, his, for himself. Something that he's saying he's going to build and he's claiming ownership of this thing and he picks that word and he comes to use it in the, the biblical or the Christian sense, hallelujah. Through translations, the word has been muddied and so you realize that the modern day, today's believer, when you say church, then the person is referring to maybe ICGC, Anadaiway, or Pentecost, or Catholic, whichever one. So when we say church, people like just immediately associate that with a place. With a place. When you say, oh, which church do you belong to? We don't, we don't do like the early church would do. Um, we don't say things like maybe the church or the gathering in Taifa. No, we all have our names written on our building. So when you say church, the first thing someone does is to point to a place. But if we pay attention to the usage from the time Jesus introduced the word, and from that time it, 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 it was used severally in the Old Testament, more than uh, the New Testament, sorry, more than a hundred times used over and over again in the New Testament, you would realize that Jesus was not talking about a, a place. Jesus was not talking about a structure. I mean, Paul was not talking about a place and was not talking about a structure. Amen. So um, the problem that we have right now is not just that it fell from the sky, but then over time and in translations, that idea came in. So the original text did not just jump and become English. It was translated to other languages, including Latin, which, which was then picked and translated into English. So when you go into the Latin text, there is a word used, and that word is like something that's dedicated to God. So it sort of fused into the original meaning. And so many people just have the sense that, oh, church, church dear. And no, they say, uh -huh. 
but Jesus was speaking to his disciples. Now in Matthew chapter 16, when this comes up, it wasn't out of the blue. Jesus was having a dialogue. This is a place in scripture where Jesus was asking them, what do men say that I am? And then he says, who do you say? And then Peter speaks and Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, ah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So this is following from that dialogue. Amen. Now we have to understand that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so we can learn something, even though we don't hear the word in the Old Testament, we can learn something from the pattern that God created in the Old Testament. So what is the pattern of a called out people. What is the pattern? The pattern is that God in his own providence, not because the person was amazing, decided that, oh, I'm going to create a nation and I'm going to put my name on that nation and they will be my people. And through my relations with them, I will show the world what it looks like to be my people. And we know that this was supposed to be a shadow of what the new would bring, or it was supposed to give us a prophetic picture of what the new would bring. It's not necessarily the same, but it was supposed to give us an indication that in the time to come, there will be a people who will belong to him, a people he calls his own, a people he himself has called out, Bible says, translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, a people that he calls out. And not just calls out so that you go and run around. No, calls out unto himself. He's taking you from one place into another gathering. He's taking you from one realm into another realm. That is what he calls his church. Now, in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says something interesting. So I'm just going to use two scriptures to buttress this old testament pattern that we can pick from and we can learn something from in matthew chapter 21 from verse 42 it says jesus said to them did you never read in the scriptures a stone which the builders rejected this has become the chief cornerstone this came about from the lord and it is marvelous in our eyes therefore i say to you the kingdom of god will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And whomever it falls on, it will crush him. Hallelujah. But Jesus was speaking to, in quote, the Jews, the Pharisees. They had come to him with their usual things. Trickery and trying to corner and all of that. And Jesus was speaking to them and asking them, like, you, you people should know. These are things that were written. And Jesus was telling them that, yes, in the past, you were the my people. You were the called out ones. You were the ones I used to show Gentile nations that, hey, this is how you must belong to God. Don't serve any other God. Da, 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 da. You were the people I used. However, I am telling you that the one you are rejecting, who is Christ? Who is himself Christ? You are rejecting him. And what you are doing is that by rejecting him, you are rejecting the kingdom. By rejecting him, you are rejecting your place as someone who has been called out unto God or for God. So Jesus was telling them that 
even though in the old I used you to show, God used you to show a certain pattern, the point is that we have stepped into a new place. And in this new place, it is not just God's providence. You also have a part. You decide. And he says, if you come and you fall on this stone, if you, and we'll come, we'll link this into what Jesus was saying between him and Peter in, in Matthew chapter 16. If you come and you fall on this stone, if you place yourself on this stone, if you place yourself on the foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is not just the one who came to come and, you know, do political shifts. He didn't just come to save Jew Jews from Roman rule. No, who came as the son of the living God, the Messiah to the world to save the lost the only way through which we can go to the Father, if you can position yourself on him, you are okay. But if you will not, what happens is that that stone will be that which crushes you. And so Jesus was giving them a defining moment. He was saying that, yes, in the Old Testament, there was a pattern. That pattern was just supposed to show and to reveal how God will work or how God will relate to the people that he calls. But it is not that which you must continue in. Now, in this dispensation, in this time, Jesus coming and, 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 and me being here, Jesus being here is the way that you come in. That is how you are called out. So in this sense, the church is the people that Jesus is calling out. And the people who respond to that. In Galatians chapter 3, from verse 23, it says, But before faith came, we were kept in custody. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. So if you are kept in custody, that's not your permanent place. If you are in custody, it's a holding point. When everything is trashed out, then you can be released to what really is your spot. So it says you were kept, before faith came, you were kept in custody under the law, being confined for the faith that was destined to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now the faith has come. We are no longer under that guardian. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus, I mean, here Paul is, is even pushing this case even further and trying to remove the lines of your birth. Because up until this point, Jews believed that they were the only ones. In fact, they even discriminated against the Samaritans who were part Jew and part something else. But Paul is saying that, see, it is no longer about your way, your ancestry. It's no longer the fact that you are Jew or, or Gentile. That's not the, what the discussion we are having. Those lines have been removed. It says, for all have become sons and daughters. If faith has come, then we have all become sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant as according to the promise. Hallelujah. So that line, that limitation where Gentiles could not be part has been removed. So it's just like this. Maybe you are in a certain place or you're in a certain company and you are there and then another company looks, looks, looks and they're like, oh, this person um, is good. Or, you know, or maybe they don't even come to you. It's put out there, maybe newspaper or somewhere on the net or someone's status and you see that, ah, this other, you know, maybe multinational company that is like a million times better than where I am is calling for and the qualification they are asking for is nothing like i have it what happens is that that is a call that that the multinational company has released a call but for you to be able to be on that team you need to step and respond to that call and when you respond to that call then you can move from where you are and go to where you want to be or where the call is coming from it's something like that. So we have all been trapped in, in darkness, in sin, etc., etc. And there is a call. Christ coming is a call. Christ coming is a call. He says, this is where faith comes in. And, and, and it's a call. And he says, if you would come out with me, then that makes you the church. So people from everywhere are saying, okay, I don't, I don't think where I was was good. In that place, I was bound. I was limited. So many things were happening. No, I'm, I'm moving to this side. And they respond to the call. And the thing is, even if you had debts and you are taking loans and all of that, the new company has all that it takes to pay out everything, to settle everything and take you on. Will you not go? Will you not respond? And Jesus uses a term like that for his people, for his church. And so when that happens, the person called out is not just where they are going. It's the person. You are the one who's called out. Hallelujah. And so according to the Old Testament, what, some of the things we can learn from that pattern, the old, that God went, picked, you know, a line of people who did not deserve it. They were heathens before. We know that Abraham was not like a Christian. He didn't fall from the sky believing in Jesus. We know that from scripture. But God providentially goes and calls this person out and he says even your generations and bible is telling us in galatians chapter 3 that we become heirs we connect to that line immediately faith comes and we are able to latch on to that faith and say jesus christ is lord we connect to that so we become those people hallelujah the people who are called out. what we can learn is that god does call people god does call he can providentially call out a people to himself. We also understand that these people are not ordinary people, like because um, in the Old Testament, these people carry the presence of God. See how God was with them. See how God fought their battles. In fact, God created a situation where they would carry him and his presence in an ark, and they would go into battle carrying the ark, and they would win their battles. They carry the presence of God. They carried the presence of God. They were a covenant people. 
They were covenant people. And through them, God revealed himself. God proved his nature. God proved his power. God proved his purposes. God proved even his love through these people. And these are some of the things we can learn for what the new is supposed to be, that God calls out people. That these people are not, do not, are not called out to be ordinary. They are called out to be supernatural and to carry the very presence of God. These people are people who are covenant people. If you have been called out unto him, you are a covenant person, covenant people, hallelujah. And through his people that he's called out, the ecclesia, the church, these people are the ones through whom God shows his power, proves his nature, proves his purposes, his love, and all of the above. When we come into the New Testament, one of the very first manifestations of this is the upper room and what happens after that from Acts chapter 2 going through to chapter 4. And we see how by the receiving of the spirit of God, the presence of God, Jesus before this tells them that wait in the upper room, wait until you are endued with power. And what happens is that as they gathered, these people who had come to believe, as they gathered up in that room and as they saw the, the, the face of God, Bible says the spirit of God was released and that began what would be the very first, the very first that looked like a church hallelujah these people were ordinary people but by be believing and by receiving of what this new realm and what this call offers they became different people god was using them mightily they preached to many and people turned they healed the sick they they, they did so many even the dead were raised hallelujah so many things would happen from this point and then the gospel began to spread and then we would hear things like the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the, the, the church in, in Corinth, and then those things began to happen because it began to spread and people across the world cannot go and gather in one place. So what happened is that locally things were beginning to happen the gospel was spreading and in local spaces people would gather and that would be referred to as the church. But we do know that it wasn't either in their halls or in their rooms or wherever they met. We know that that is not what scripture is referring to. We know that it was the people that had gathered. It was the people that had gathered. It was the people. It was the people that had gathered. It was the people that had gathered. It was the people. It was the people. It was the people. It was the people. And we know Jesus declares, he says in Matthew chapter 18, he says, for where two or three are gathered in my name. For him, that is his requirement. That is what church is. For, for Christ Jesus, for our Lord, if there is a gathering and it is in his name, if there is a gathering and it is people falling on the stone, on the foundation that has been laid. If there's a gathering and that gathering is a people who, who know, who know, who know that he is the Messiah, the one who came into the earth, sent by God, the sent one, but he is also the son of the living God, came into the earth to die and to save the lost and to call out a people and to make them his own and to bring them up to his stature, the fullness of his stature, wherever that is, he says, I am there. That's it. It's church for me. It's church for me. This church 
is also referred to as the body of Christ. Is also referred to as the body of Christ. So we are the called out people, but we form the body. We form the body. We form the body of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, it says in verse 17 and 18, he says, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Then 18 says, it says, he is also the head of the body, comma, the church. In other words, when it says the body, it means the church. When it says the body, it means the church. So we are not just a people that have been called out, but when he calls us out, he calls us out to become his body, to become the new physical existence in the earth that people can look to. Jesus is no longer walking the earth. The physical Jesus, the physical Jesus, he's no longer walking the earth, but you and I are him walking the earth. That is church. Me and you, we are walking the earth and we are, we are church. We are Jesus's body. We are Jesus in the earth. Church is Jesus in the earth. Church is Jesus in the earth. Church is Jesus in the earth. Hallelujah. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have his first place in everything. In Romans chapter 12, from 4 and 5, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, can you count the number of believers? So we, who are many, we are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another hallelujah that same thought is repeated in first corinthians and then when you go through the new testament this is reiterated over and over and over again so the church is a people that have been called out a people who have heard that call have responded to it and are no longer where they are they have taken that step of faith with god and they've come into a new realm into a new kingdom they've come into light they've come into love they've come into life hallelujah and the church is also Christ in the earth. The church is also you and I. When you wake up in the morning and you're thinking church, you don't be thinking, oh, there. Be thinking me. I. I, Jennifer, I am church. You see, when we begin to think like that, you cannot be average. You cannot be an average. You cannot be a pure woman. And when you know, when you know the truth of God's word that I am me, Jennifer, I am church. I can't be average. It is also Christ in the earth and we are Christ in the earth. We are the physical, is a, a people that have been grouped together to reveal, they become the tangible expression of Christ. They become the tangible. If someone was looking for Jesus, if the person met you in the streets, you should be a, a, an equipped member. You can reveal Christ. You can reveal. It's, it should be okay for you to reveal Christ. It is not somewhere. As for the someplace, we must create it so that we can contain. We can contain ourselves. But that was never the emphasis for Jesus. Jesus' emphasis was the people. It was us, the people. It was us. It was us. So I'll go back to our main text 
and we'll pick a few points and then we'll be done. That whole story from 16 through to 19. It says, now when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, um, Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? I'll pause here. For us to be able to indeed say, I, I am the church. I am a member of the body of Christ. I reflect Jesus. You must own your own understanding and conviction of who he is. Everybody can have what they say. The world can say whatever they want to say. The world can, can, can say, oh, he was just a good man. The world can say, oh, he never rose. But what is your conviction? What is your conviction? Because the whole foundation of the thing that Jesus is saying he will build, the foundation is he himself. Christ, the cornerstone or the foundation. Everybody can say what they would say, but for you to indeed be the church, it begins at that place of your personal conviction, your revelation of who he is. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he, it goes on. He said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? So Jesus did not say, oh, they are wrong. That was not the point. But if you take a step out and say, oh, I'm no longer in the world. Oh, media me call. ICGC Revival Temple. My first question to you is, do you have a member? That's not my first question. Do you have a membership? That's not my first question. If I met somebody from a different um, denomination, the issue will not be, oh, do you have a card there? The very first issue would be, have you settled that matter? Who is Jesus to you? Because no matter the tag we put on ourselves, no matter the denomination, no matter the name, the most important thing, when Jesus comes, he's not coming for ICGC. And I'm not saying that to water down denominations, no. Everybody has their emphasis and whatever your emphasis is, is what may be the people who come need. So it, denomination is fine. But I'm saying that as the body, as the church of the Lord, as a person that has been called out, my concern, my primary concern will not be your membership card. My primary concern when I meet you is this. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Because if you have not settled that, you can go to ICGC, you can go to Pentecost, you can go for 30 years, 50 years, and it doesn't mean anything. And it doesn't mean anything. It only means you go to the gathering, but you are really not one. Jesus says, but who do you, you yourself say that I am? And Bible says, Simon Peter answered. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the sent one, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, I mean, these people had worked with Jesus for some time by, by this point. 
they had seen miracles and all kinds of things. But when you read scripture, you realize that oftentimes they would still not believe. Oftentimes things would happen and they would still doubt him. They would act as though the storm is coming. Oh, Jesus, hey, you're asleep. I mean, the feeding of the 5,000, we can't. And almost as though this is not the person who is by you, who's doing so much. But in this very place, Peter was speaking these words. He wasn't just seeing Jesus as someone who God has sent. God sent Moses. Did God not send Moses? God sent all these people who had come before. Peter said, Jesus, you are, yes, the sent one, but you are also the son of the living God. In other words, he was saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, is God himself. Because in that time, nobody was the son of God. If you said that anywhere, it's blasphemy. You, how, how are you the son? God Almighty. No. But Peter said, you are the son. In other words, he said, see, you are the one who's been sent into the earth to redeem us. But you are God. It is God come into the earth. This is God made flesh. What a revelation. And when he spoke these words, Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. To come to that personal conviction that makes you his body, that makes you the church, it's not just your mind. It's not just somebody said. It's not, it's, it's, it's not just that. Something happens on the inside by the spirit of the living God that causes you to know, even though your mind may not really understand it, but your spirit man knows, knows. You know, you, you, cannot, you cannot explain how God came, how did he come, like how is he encased in a human body? He even has birthday, it's like normal. They gave birth to him like me. It takes the mind of Christ, which is revealed to us by the spirit of God, to give you that knowing. 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 And so Jesus said, Peter, you have said it. And what you have said is not just coming from your lips and from like some math you've worked out. You didn't figure it out. No. This is God himself who has opened up the truth in your heart. The church, you and I must be people who really, who have come to that conviction because the spirit of God has witnessed it within us. And the spirit of God witnesses and helps our spirit to call him Abba Father. He brings us into the place where we know that we are sons, where we know that we are joint heirs, where we know that we too have become just like Christ. And then Jesus moves on from that point. says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. No matter how much I tell you, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is good. Hey, I serve Jesus. That is my conviction. Where is yours? 
where is yours? And I say these things not because we are not all believers in this room, but sometimes we lose sight of it. We forget or, or, or other things become the big deal and the truth of God's word is minimized in our lives. And so we act anyhow. You carry yourself as though there's nothing much. You're, you attend church, but you're sleeping around. You who is the body, you the body. You who is the image. 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 And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, remember that when Peter was first called to Jesus in Matthew 4, and I think it's also in John, Jesus calls him Cephas. He says, you will no longer be Simon. I call you Cephas. And Cephas is what is translated Peter. And that means like a rock or a stone. And so in this place, Jesus repeats that and says, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hates will not overpower it. And people have said that that means that Peter becomes the rock on which the church is built. No. Another person would say, okay, maybe Jesus himself, because he was there and perhaps he pointed to himself and said, you know, because the words are Petros and Petra. So Petros is like a, a little rock and Petra is the main rock. So Peter, Petros, you are the rock upon which, uh, no, he says, so you are Peter, that's your name. And he goes on, he says, and upon this rock, and then the, the designation for that is Petra, which is like the, the bigger rock or the main rock or the multitude of rocks, something of the sort. I will build my church. So if you go to the original text immediately, you realize that it's not even the same. It's not the exact words. There's a slight difference. They mean the same thing, but one is like a part of the other. Okay. But let's not even, let's, let's go a little further. What could have been that foundation? What could be this thing that Jesus says, upon this, I will build my church. I believe that it was the revelation that Peter had spoken. That's what I believe. The reason I would not go for, yes, I mean the revelation is Jesus. That revelation that Peter gives is Jesus. It was pointing to Jesus. Not a Jesus encased in a body, but a Jesus that is eternal. A Jesus that is God. A Jesus that will exist forever, even beyond his crucifixion. So I believe it was what Peter spoke that becomes the foundation. And we know that Peter himself called Jesus the chief cornerstone. We know that. So Peter could not have confused what Jesus was saying. The reason I would not say maybe is that Jesus who was standing there is because that Jesus was brought for a season. That Jesus was, was God who entered the world for a season to reveal God and to, to bring the redemption plan about. But that case that contained him would fall off 
and he will return into himself, his, the Godhead, his eternal state, the state in which he was in the beginning when the word was spoken and it became. And so I believe that every time any person comes to the truth, the truth, and, and the beauty of it is that Peter could be called Petros because when he came to the knowledge, this central truth that Jesus was the Messiah, the sent one, and he is God, what happened is that God could use that to bring more people in. Look at what happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter spoke and he began to teach and many came to the saving knowledge, many came to Christ. And that becomes the foundation, uh, your knowledge, your understanding, your revelation, the truth of who Christ is in you becomes that that, that becomes that foundation. And I believe Jesus was pointing to that revelation that Peter gave. And Jesus said, this is where I start to build from. This is the foundation upon which we, I build. This is the foundation upon which I build. This is the foundation upon which I build. I build my church. I build my church. I build the ecclesia. I build the ecclesia. In other words, when he calls you out, he's not done. And next week we will go into that, that the building, what it takes to build. When he calls you out, he's not done. He doesn't just say, oh, come be saved and you are saved. And then that ends the matter. It's not done. He begins to build you. He begins to build you into himself. He says he's the fullness. He's the Godhead. And we all, he says we must come into the fullness of the stature of the image Ephesians chapter 4 of Christ and so he calls us out to build us Jesus will not come down and start building a church but if he builds you you will build a church you will build a building where you can yeah so he builds he says I will build my church I will build these people that I call out. I will build the called out ones. I will build the people who are my reflection in the earth. And let me just land with the verse that follows. He says, and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overpower it. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The part three of this, we will be looking at the power of the church, which will focus on this last part, the power of the church. But today, this morning, this is all I want you to know, that the church is you and I. The church is you and I. We are the people that God has called out. If God will do anything, if God will reveal himself, if God will touch, if God will heal, if God will deliver, if God will preach a sermon that will save people, if God will show goodness, kindness to people, it is you and I. And we are the people that he wants to build too. He has, there is a foundation. There is a foundation. And if that foundation is not there, it is not church. You can go to a gathering. If Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is not the foundation, if what they are doing is not 
based on Christ Jesus as the one who was sent into the earth to redeem the world unto God and to reconcile the world back to God. And if it is not based on Jesus Christ as God, it is not church. I don't care what miracles you see. I don't care how people fall. I don't care what it is or what money they have. It is not church. It is not church. In the same way, if you dress up every day and you go to a, a Bible-believing, Jesus-centered church every day, and you yourself, you've not come to that conviction, you've not put that baseline, that foundation down, that Jesus Christ, he is Lord, that Jesus Christ was sent into the earth to redeem the, the world. He is the way, the truth, and if you have not laid that foundation, I'm sorry. There's no middle ground. If we are going to ask God to build a church, we must know what he is doing and we must know what he requires. And today that's the foundation we want to lay. We will go into how he builds. We will go into the power of the church, you and I. But today I just want you for a minute just to ponder on it and ask yourself, have I come to that conviction? I, I may say it on my lips, but have I settled it in my heart when I face issues? Do I face it as someone who knows that Jesus is Lord? Or I'm still looking for things. I, my, my faith is still in, in things. You know, someone said, oh, if you light this candle, put egg here. Like, are you still there? Are you still in the old? Or you are really, like, you really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is your Lord and he is your Savior. He was sent for you. Have you really believed and have you responded to the call that he released? Have you moved? Have you said, yes, I'm going to that place? Have you taken that step? Are you actually out? I want you to ask yourself that because if we will go any further with this discussion, this must be the foundation. It must be settled. It must be settled. Is it your father's religion? Your mother's religion? They took you, they are the ones who take you to church. They took you to church, so you just do it as routine. Because there are many people in church who are doing routine. It's not a life, it's not a relationship, it's nothing personal. It is. Oh, they said you are Elijah. Oh, they say, oh, you are even Jeremiah, John the Baptist. It could be another person's view, but what is yours? Is it your mother's faith, your father's faith, your friend, your pastor's help? My pastor there says very deep things. Can post it on social media, but it means nothing to you personally. that this foundation must be laid. This foundation, a people called out unto God and a people who have this settled that Christ, the foundation, says no other foundation can anyone lay except that which has been laid, Paul said, which is Christ Jesus. Church cannot be anything else. And as you ponder that, I want you to even go further and begin to look at yourself. I want you to begin to whisper to yourself, I am the church. It's not 
the meeting place, it is I. I am the church. I am the church. I am the church. I'm the one who has been called out, not unto myself, but I've been called out to another vision, to another purpose, to another realm, a kingdom that is beyond this world. To something better. Calls it a better covenant. <laughs> a better covenant. A better covenant. I've been called out from death to life. I've been called out to something better. And as you ponder on this, I want it to begin to affect you. I want it to affect you. How do you see yourself? How do you serve God? How do you treat other people? Because it's all based on this. If you really know that you are no longer there and you've been called out unto him, for him, and he is your foundation and he builds you into himself, into his image, how can you remain the same? How can you stay the same? How can you be okay with the old? It says, those of us who have come into faith, it says we have put off the old, we have clothed ourselves with Christ. When they see me, let them see Jesus. I am the church. And if I am the church, And I totally belong to him. He calls me his own. He says, my church. <laughs> it is for him. We are for him. Our gathering, our coming together is not unto me, Jennifer. I could never, ever make it about me. It is unto him. It is unto him. It is unto him. If indeed we know that we are the church, then we know that we are avenues through which he reveals himself in this earth. When Jesus was walking in the earth, see how he walked. See what he did. He defied the odds. He broke the status quo. <laughs> he brought truth and did not look back. He didn't wince. No. He shook the systems. If I and you are the church, what must we look like? Certainly we have not been built. We are not there yet. We, we are being built. And we must be built. But until we settle the foundation, he cannot lay, nothing else can be laid on until we settle that foundation. And I can assure you that in this house and in this gathering, whatever service it is, Jesus Christ is the sure foundation. No other foundation but Christ Jesus our Lord, our Savior, our God. But since it's not just one person and we are all members one of another and we are all the body of Christ, I must ask myself and I must ask you to ask yourself, 
if we are all on the same foundation. Because the fact that we are in one space does not mean that we are all on the same foundation. Are we on the same foundation? Is Christ Jesus your foundation? Have you settled it in your heart? Is there no confusion between what another is saying and what you believe? And I assure you that it's not just your effort and your mental workings. The Spirit of God is here. He says he cries out within us. He calls God our Father. And today if you're struggling to settle the matter or you think, oh yes, I believe, yet when you look at your life, there is no consistency with who he is. I want you to yield to the Holy Spirit. Peter would declare these words and, and still betray Jesus. But when the Spirit of God came, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit was released upon them in the upper room, he became a new man. And so this morning, even if you see an inconsistency, even if in your mind you can believe, but in the walk it doesn't look like you believe, I tell you today that it's not over, it's not a lost cause. The Spirit of God is the one who bears witness with our spirit of who he is. And this morning you can have the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit of who he is because that is a necessary foundation. If anything else will be built in you, on you, through you, that must be settled. There is no house without a foundation. It will crumble. And many believers are crumbling under the weight of issues in life, under economic, even economic crises. Everything is breaking Christians down. Why? There's a foundation we have not, we've not made sure. But if we would make sure the foundation, Christ Jesus today, he will build us up. And if you're struggling, I just want you to pray with me, Holy Spirit. You are the helper that Jesus promised. You are the helper that Jesus promised. You said, I didn't have to do this by myself. I didn't have to faith it by my own workings. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, bring conviction. Bring conviction. Bring conviction. Do the work in my heart. Do the work in my heart. Break down the walls of doubts and uncertainties. Break down the chains of the old that still hold and that threaten to keep me under. Because I'm going out. I've been called and I'm stepping out into that new kingdom into that new domain, into that new realm. I'm stepping into life. I am not dead. I am raised up with Christ. Holy Spirit, help me. Bear witness with my spirit. Help me, help me, help me like you helped Peter. Help me. Help me, help me. Release yourself upon us, Holy Spirit, this morning. Release yourself upon us. Make sure the foundations, because if we would go anywhere as a body, as a local church or as individuals, if we will reflect you, 
this has to be settled. If we can be sure that you are a foundation and you are the image we are being built into, we will know how to treat one another. Love will not be a question because we know that the foundation we stand on is a foundation of love. It's a foundation that tore the walls, parted the curtains, and there's no discrimination. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. And so I will not see my brother in church and discriminate or think I am better. No. If indeed Christ Jesus is that foundation, his word will be my rule. His grace will be my strength. Ah, my God. Holy Spirit, do it. Help us. Make sure this foundation, make sure this foundation, as you take us further, make sure this foundation and in any way, even when we, even if we don't know that it is not firm, show us and help us. There are ways God can reveal to you where you are weak. He has ways. Let's make it sure. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.